This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And then I look to my left, and this deer is walking down this trail like he freaking owns the place. And I'm like, holy cow, that's him. This is the second time I've ever seen him in person. And he's even bigger than I, than the pictures do him justice, you know, like he's massive. You got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. Born with nature, and if you're a believer, born with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company. Derek, Lacey, fine folks over there. We will give them a proper shout out at the end in our sponsor segment. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your podcast host. Thanks for tuning in and back on here again with our media production manager, my good buddy, Nick Powell. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Sam? Good, man. Happy to be back on here. Still recording virtually. I know we always talk about how much we like recording in person, but it uh, seems to be the way that we're going right now. So yeah, it's just it's just easier. Yeah, you know, it's easier for everybody. We all have busy lives, and so this is one way to keep the content coming to our listeners. So absolutely, yeah. Got to do what we got to do. You know, absolutely. And we're we're doing. Obviously, we're able, with the virtual aspect of our podcast, we're able to bring a lot more guests that we wouldn't get to interact with otherwise, and now we're doing even more of our, this is what we would call a, an in-house podcast, you know, just with our own guys and everything. We're doing more of those virtually as well. One thing we are going to try to do, and unfortunately, it's not coupled with this one, but um, you guys saw it with last week's episode with special guest Mark Zorich. Um, we actually 
had a podcast video to go with our virtual podcast and that's something that in the future we're going to be pushing for more eventually um, the goal being pretty much almost every podcast episode having a video to go with it so um, just be looking for that I know some people like to watch podcast episodes um, some people like myself just prefer to listen but um, there is a, a pretty big uh, a pretty big following out there that like to watch them so we're gonna try to another part of our media production thing we're implementing for 2022 that's one thing we're shooting for is trying to give you guys more of that kind of content so that's coming soon well today what we're gonna dive into we're kind of going back to our 2021 season recaps i know we've had a few guests on um talking about that kind of stuff and obviously a big a big center of our content this last year was our texas dirt series and this property that um myself nick and both of our dads have been have been working on and and basically acquired hopefully for years to come um to hunt together several hundred acres and um kind of our first year on that and and how all that transpired my dad and i did a podcast uh kind of to conclude the year but we still haven't heard about nick and kind of how your season went and everything like that and i know you aside from the texas dirt property you have another um, pursuit of a pretty big whitetail um, on your other hunting property that um, is will probably take up a big portion of this conversation but yeah. um, we want to jump on here and again share with you guys our stories and some of the the good the bad and the ugly that we've been dealing with uh for the 2021 season this uh we're blue collar outdoorsmen like the rest of everybody so by no means is easy for us like like most people out there so nick i'm handing it to you man let's uh let's dive in and unpack your your 2021 whitetail season all right sounds good uh so i'll preface this by saying i have four different stories uh that pretty much sums up how my season went uh, and these stories are all in chronological order and i will uh be specific on where they're where they're at where they where they happen and everything else so uh to start off the season um it was early season bow only season um i'll preface this by saying that we have t i have two different properties that i hunt i have one in collin county that you, you guys have heard about on the podcast already but then i also hunt uh our our new lease our new property in the texas dirt series that we hunt with sam and our dads um and so this first story takes place at the lease and it is early season bow only season out there so it's uh you can hunt with crossbows and, and vertical bows uh which is different in Collin county two different counties so and i'm just going down there for one day uh and it's it's a i guess it's it's a weekend but it's it's one night so i'm hunting one night staying the night hunting the next morning and then we're leaving me and my wife are out there together and this is also in the texas dirt series you can watch the watch the whole video there but to sum up how my season started um we are me and my wife sit and we don't see anything the first morning or the first evening so the next morning we sit in this in one of our ground blinds that we have out there i think it was your setup mm -hmm. sam and so uh we have a few does come into the feeder uh two or three and it's really early see like i'm talking first weekend that we are allowed to hunt 
And so it's not opening weekend, but it's like the, the weekend after that. And so basically my goal in this trip was if I see a big buck, one of our shooters that we had on camera out at the lease, I was going to shoot him. If there was a spike, a legal spike, I was going to shoot him. And so with my eyes pretty much on a big buck, I, uh, we, we sat that next morning and we had a few does come in. Wasn't really looking for a doe. You know, there's plenty of time in the rest of the season to, to shoot a doe. Um, but then we have a small buck and then this spike comes in. So there's a small little, I think it was a little six pointer or a little eight pointer or something like that. And then this spike came in, he had four points on one side and then the other side was just a perfect straight spike. And so I text you, Sam, uh, and I was like, Hey man, this is a legal spike. Should I shoot him? Cause this is like, this is the first deer that's going to be shot on this, on this place. Yeah. I was real nervous and I was like, man, this is, this is a big deal. Like, should I shoot him? And, uh, you gave me the go ahead and I was like, okay, well I'm going to text my dad and ask him to see what he thinks. And dad said, yeah, he needs to be shot. And so I had the go ahead from both you guys and I'm like, okay, well I'm going to freaking do it. I'm going to shoot this dude. And so, uh, my wife is recording and when I draw back, he, he looks at me. And he's kind of quartering to me just slightly. And as soon as I draw back, he sees me move. And so he kind of perks his head up a little bit more. And then as soon as I pull that trigger, he sees that arrow coming to him and he ducks probably a foot. Uh, it, it had to have been a foot. 100%. And so my, my arrow hit him right in the top of the shoulder, which is like no man's land. That's not, that's where you don't want to hit him for those mm -hmm. of you who are wondering. Um, the arrow penetrates probably two or three inches and then uh he takes off into the brush and so i'm like well you know we we look at the footage and the arrow we see him run off the arrow's sticking out of him and everything and i'm like well you know who knows we'll see maybe it clips something you know you never know and so uh we wait a little while about 30 minutes to an hour and i know everybody's probably going to yell at me for this but we we were eager and so um we probably got out there a little sooner than we were supposed to, but we were super eager to go look and see if we could find anything. I knew it wasn't a good hit. And so I know you're supposed to wait a long time, but we were supposed to leave in three hours. I think we were supposed to head home. So we couldn't wait all that long. So we get, we go out there and look for blood and look for blood. And eventually we find one little tiny drop. We track this deer for 250 yards and it's just one little drop after the other probably every 10 to 15 yards and we lose blood like every so often and then we'll, we'll we pick it up again and so it's just a really hard track but we eventually have to make the tough decision to pull out and we have to leave so we never saw that deer again we never got another picture of him uh and i i'm not sure if we ever got a picture of him before this hunt i can't remember exactly no so the spy point sent me obviously after your hunt it sent me the photos and everything from that morning and it, it was a bachelor group of bucks that came in yeah and it, I, they had to be just passing through man because we had never seen any of those bucks before and we never saw i think they were i think we counted five i want to say that number sticks in my head that there was five of them in in that group yeah that, sound, that sounds right and we never saw a single one of those bachelor bucks again the, the rest of the season not a single one of them it, it, it was yeah. strange yeah that's right and so yeah and so we never saw we never got another picture of this spike and so 
I'm confident that he is still alive and kicking today because the, the hit was not very good. Like whenever you watch, if y'all go watch the video on, on our YouTube channel, um, I think it's episode four. That sounds right. Yeah. Cause you had been out there a few times and, and made a few episodes before that. So if y'all go watch the video, I, I zoom in on this spike and, and slow it down to where you can really see where the arrow hit and everything. And if you keep an eye on where the arrow hit the deer and how he was standing before he ducked, that that shot would have been money. It would have been a ten ring, and yeah. he would have been, he wouldn't have gone very far. But you know, that's part of that's part of bow hunting, and it happens. And uh, that's just that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So that was the start of my season. Man, man, you said it. That that's part of bow hunting, and nobody nobody wants that to happen to them it's happened to everybody if, you, if you've been bow hunting more than just a season or or so it, it's happened to you surely and it, sure. if it hadn't it's it there's a good chance it might at some point if you continue to bow hunt um, exactly. and what it comes down to is just with these deer when you're as close as we are and when when you are at their level as far as ground level and they are on alert they have you pegged you almost have to account for that drop because they are they're on alert they're waiting for something to happen they're waiting to give them a reason to duck down and take off right. and yeah you, you almost have to account for that drop and that um it's unfortunately un- unless it's happened to you before it's not at the forefront of a lot of bow hunters minds yeah and that was an important lesson that i learned i'll say it like this i haven't shot too many deer with my bow and so this was going to be uh, maybe the third third deer I've ever shot with a bow and so um, I'm still learning I'm still new at this whole thing and so that was an important lesson that I learned that will come into come into play later in my season now I'll move to the next story this one takes place in Collin County and I've had my eye on this deer for at least two years last year he had uh, just a perfect mainframe this year he's got a couple of kickers and is even more massive uh than he was last year i've only saw i've only seen him once in person uh, but we have numerous pictures on him there's no doubt in my mind that he's a mature buck i mean he's a monster and so he was my number one target deer this year out of any any place that i hunt and so uh it was one morning i can't remember the exact day i want to say it was the end of november november 27th i think the day after like uh, i think it was the sunday after thanksgiving the sunday morning after thanksgiving and uh it's really cold cold it, i mean it's the perfect morning and the stand i'm sitting in uh overlooks a creek and uh the creek is the property line so but we do have permission to shoot across the creek if we if we want to or if we have the opportunity to so it looks over a creek and it's about 40 yards uh, offset off of the creek. Uh, and it's a pretty decent incline, right? Uh, the bank of the creek is probably, a, it's a really steep grade, uh, up probably a, a 10 foot uh, grade difference. And then it, it raises up probably another five or 10 foot to my stand. So it's a, it's a constant uphill. Mm-hmm. And there's a trail directly in front of me and I'm sitting in a tripod with no cover basically. Uh, it has a little drape, a little camouflage drape around it. And this deer comes down this trail to my left across uh, a draw that's on our side of the, 
uh, our side of the creek comes down this trail and I'm like, holy cow, that's him. And so uh, this trail is probably about 30 yards, 30, 35 yards. And so I'm like, and oh, just before this, there was a, a little button buck that had made his way to the feeder, which is to my right. So if I'm looking at the creek, feeders to my right, trails to my left. Well, this button buck, uh, and I think there might've been a couple of does there or something, were eating, so I had my focus on them for a, a, the longest time, and they were just eating, playing around. And eventually they walk off, uh, and then I look to my left, and this deer is walking down this trail like he freaking owns the place. And I'm like, holy cow, that's him. This is the second time I've ever seen him in person. And he's even bigger than I, than the pictures do him justice, you know, like he's massive. And so he walks down this trail and this trail leads down into the creek. Okay. So like he walks down this trail into the creek and there's another trail coming up our side of the bank that would basically, once he walked up it, he's looking directly at me. And so he walks right up this trail, right where I need him to, basically. Like, he couldn't have done it any more textbook than what I needed him to do. Yeah. And so he walks directly up this trail, and, and as soon as he hits the peak of that bank, he has me pegged. And he, he I have a leafy suit, the first light uh, leafy suit, and so he, he can't really tell what I, what I am. But when I saw him come down the trail, I immediately stood up because I knew I was going to shoot this deer. I keep an arrow knocked in, but I, I put my um, release on my D loop to get ready. Cause I knew as soon as he gave me a shot, I was going to take it. Comes down the trail, comes up the bank. He's got me pegged. He knows something's not right in that deer, in that tripod. So he kind of, he's looking at me and he'll look down and he'll look at me and he'll look down and then he kind of turns broadside, but he's slightly quarter in two. So this sounds pretty familiar, right? Like yeah. the, the spike is was quarter into as well. Uh, just a, just a hair, but he's mostly broadside. And I'm like, holy cow, this is exactly what I needed him to do. And so he puts his head down again, and I draw back. And as soon as I draw back, the same thing happens. He jerks his head up and looks straight at me. And so the same thing happened with the spike. And I'm thinking of the spike as this is going on. Like I'm thinking, okay. He has me paid. I need to aim low because he's if he sees me shoot, he's gonna he's gonna drop. He's gonna duck. Yeah. So I aim low. I I have a, a thought of I need to hurry before he bolts because he's got me pegged. And so I squeeze. I, I you know I pull a shot off, and it hits him, but it hits him really low. Like I can see there's only probably four four or five inches of penetration. Um that I can tell and I can see the arrow hanging out of him. He, he dives off into the Creek back down the bank and then dives up that same trail. He came up. Um, but he's, he's not running. He stops on that trail and then walks a little bit where he can see me. And he's trying to figure out what I am still. He's, he's not sure what just happened. Right. So he's looking at me and my arrow had fallen out of him. And so he's looking at me on the other side of this trail and that trail goes up and there's an opening up that trail that's probably 40 or 45 yards. And so I'm like, okay. And this is, I know this because I, I have uh, sat in the stand numerous times and I've ranged multiple trees around me. So hot tip, if you have a tree stand that you sit in, range trees that 
are in your shooting lanes because you could potentially need them and you won't have time to arrange them. So I'm like, okay, yep. if he gets in this in this uh, opening, I'm going to take another shot at him because this dude is not even acting like I hit him. And so eventually he snort he he uh, blows at me, and uh, which I know is not a good sign. He blows at me, and then starts walking up this trail and doesn't ever stop. Um, but he never runs off. He never runs or or the, at the most he he trotted. <laughs> I'll say, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but uh, he never ran off. Uh, he blew at me three different times and would like kept turning around and looking, seeing seeing if he could figure out what I what I was. And so he eventually takes off and I'm like, holy cow, I just blew it. I blew this whole thing. This is, this is the only time I'm ever going to see this deer again. <laughs> my whole world is crashing down in my mind as I speak. And uh, because he wasn't even acting like he was hit. And so uh, being eager again, I, go, I get out of my stand, go down to see if I can find my arrow because I knew it was right there. He, you know, there's a 20-yard shot. He dove off into the creek, and I, so I'm like, my arrow's got to be down there somewhere. So I go and see if there's any blood. Uh, there was a little bit of blood when I shot him, and I went and found my arrow, and sure enough, there was probably four or five inches of blood with some white hair, which is not good because they have white hair on their on their undercarriage. Right. And so I'm like, I know I shot him low because he did not duck at all, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so – the shot was low. I knew that, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to go get back in the stand. Maybe he'll come back. Um, so I sit there for about an hour and I'm like, well, the worst, the the worst I could do is just go look and, and see if there's any blood at all. Cause if there's a little bit of blood like the, like the spike, more than likely he's going to be fine and I'm not going to find him. So I get down about an hour, hour and a half later, I go to where he went back up the back up the other side of the draw, back up the trail, and I'm looking, and there's a lot of blood. I think I had texted you at this point, yeah, uh, showing you the arrows, seeing what you thought. I text my dad. I called my wife. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out as much as I can to see what see what other people are thinking because I'm obviously not thinking clear. I'm freaking out. Uh, bug fever got a hold of me after after that pretty good. Anyways. Uh, so I go down and I'm looking for blood and I'm actually finding really good blood, like bright red, a couple of it has bubbles in it. Um, but there's really good blood when he went back up the, uh, back up the trail at first there was good blood and then he started dripping and then like, you could tell where he would stop cause there would be like a puddle, probably the size of a volleyball on the ground. I have probably four or five pictures of little puddles of bright red bubbly blood um, from when I was tracking him. And I ended up, I got on Onyx and I did the, uh, uh, the line marker mm-hmm. and it'll tell you, or the distance line. And it ended up, uh, it was kind of a rough estimate on where I had been, but I, I had ended up tracking him seven, almost 700 yards until I lost blood. Wow. And that's not the craziest part of the story. Here's the crazy part. When I found last blood, I was across the creek. He had crossed the creek at another point uh, on down the creek. He had crossed it and gone up probably a 45-degree incline, um, probably a 50-foot, 45-degree incline bank, like climbed straight up it. 
So I got to the top of that. That's where I found Last Blood. So I'm like, well, I'm just gonna maybe he's laying around somewhere over here. I've got I've, I've got a long trail with really good blood. He's lost a lot. Maybe he'll be laid up somewhere over here. And so there's a pasture directly behind, directly across the creek, and uh, it's higher on one side than it is on the other side. And so I walk, I take the high side and walk down the high side of the creek, thinking maybe that's the bedding area. Maybe he went to his bedding area to lay down thinking I might jump him or something because I just want to see him to make sure he's okay, whatever. So I walk probably 500 yards down the down the edge of this, don't see anything at all. And I walk back, and when I'm 200 yards from, uh, uh, probably around 200 yards from where, where I started, I look up and he's standing there staring at me oh my like at, the, at the end of the pasture. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And immediately as I stop, I'm trying, cause I left my bow at last blood cause I didn't want to lose it. So I don't have my bow on me. And so I'm getting my binoculars to look cause he's facing broadside the same way that I shot him. And so I want to see if there's anything, there's a giant mark on him, whatever. If there's a big blood stain on his side or whatever, I can't see anything just looking at him. So I get my, go to get my binoculars and he immediately bolts and, uh, takes off into the trees and so i'm like well doesn't look hurt at all whatsoever he's he blows at me again doesn't look injured what whatsoever so i'm like well that pretty much solidifies that yeah for sure (laughs) but just just to make double sure i go and i check really thoroughly the area where he was standing and the area where it looked like he took off and there was zero blood on the ground um and so long story short that didn't go my way either. And then a week later, uh, or even, I think it was two or three days later, we get another picture of him going to that same feeder that I was sitting over. And so he was still alive. Uh, just an update. This was the end of November. It's now uh, the beginning of February and we have gotten several pictures of him after that like the last picture was on the 22nd of january i think so still he's still alive he's still alive and well um looking forward to him dropping hopefully we'll find his sheds uh because that would be freaking sweet anyways yeah man um yeah so that's that's pretty much that yeah so that was uh kind of the highlight of my season and the lowest point of my season yeah <laughs> Highlight because how many times do you get a shot at a big deer like that? Low point because of everything that happened after the shot. So exactly, exactly. So it went. It was a it was a emotional roller coaster that entire week. And uh, because I, I had gone two or three days or three or four days before seeing a picture of him and confirming that he was still alive, and so I was like, man, I'm gonna be real bummed if we don't see him again and he's dead somewhere and we can't find him. Uh, that would have been worst case scenario, but luckily for me, we got pictures of him, uh, one after the other, the following months. So yeah, it was an emotional roller coaster there for about a week. I was, a a, a mess you could say. Um, but that leads me to my next story. So I keep hunting and this year, I, I like to say that this season I hunted more than I have in the last probably eight to 10 years. Like I, I've hunted a lot, Yeah, put a lot of time in the woods. Uh, so this next story, we have a, a buck that we've seen on camera called freak nasty. 
so freak nasty is a is a bug I'll, I'll describe him a little bit so early in the season i was actually getting out of the stand walking up to walking up to the house and i jumped him in a in a food plot and when i first saw him i was like man that buck looks weird you know because he stopped in the food plot and looked at me and then immediately bolted i was like dang that that buck looks really really strange so his left side comes kind of out like straight not straight up but it, it doesn't really go straight out either it's like at that perfect angle where it goes up and out um and then the the right side is just jacked up like i don't know if he got injured or if he just got some sort of skull deformity or what his deal is but the right side is jacked up like it doesn't go out it kind of goes down yeah and, and out like it's hard, really hard to describe when y'all see the picture y'all will understand but this is another deer that we've gotten several pictures of uh, and that I didn't really know how big he was because we, uh, we've only gotten pictures. So when I saw him early season, he still didn't look that big because I saw him from, for a split second. Um, but then we got after I saw him that first time, we got more clearer pictures of him and realized that he was actually a mature deer that – was worth a shot if we got it and so uh i go down one sit in the same stand that i that i saw my big deer i'm sitting in the same stand and this is probably the middle of december i would say and is a really slow morning like i get out i usually get in the stand probably an hour before sunlight or before legal shooting light just to make sure i'm there and pictures we're getting are all nighttime pictures also. So this is after the, well after the rut. Uh, and I've heard of the second rut, but I've never seen it in person. Well, this morning I was going to see it. And um, this is, like I said, middle of December, really slow morning. I, I, I don't see a single thing until about 8.30 or 9, I want to say. I see a doe. This I'm sitting in the same stand, so just imagine the creek, feeder to my right, trail to my left, whatever. I see a doe across the creek running from my right to my left uh, and running at a pretty healthy pace. She runs and then kind of bolts off in the opposite direction. And then right after that, I see Freak Nasty chasing her, and Chase is right behind her. And so I'm like, whoa, that was him. That's super cool. I hadn't seen anything all morning. It's a really slow morning. It's kind of warm also, and so... Uh, my expectations weren't high, but after seeing them, I had some hope. Uh, and then all of a sudden I wait about 20 minutes and the doe comes back. She comes back my way, doesn't quite cross the Creek, but gets to the edge of it. And he's following right behind her. And I'm like, Holy cow, they're coming back. I'm freaking out again, but I'm, I know in my head it's automatic. If I get a shot at this deer, I'm going to take it. And so she stops on the other side of the Creek and actually beds down. And so he's looking for her for a little while and then realizes where she is and then he's stone cold not moving yeah and i don't have a grunt call or anything with me and i really don't want to use it anyways because i'm i'm kind of confused when this is happening because it's rut activity but it's middle of december not middle of november so i'm like what is going on what's going on yeah (laughs) and so i just kind of sit there and wait for them to make their move and uh after about she probably beds down like just in this random spot for probably 10 minutes. 
and I have a I have a picture of where they were. Like I circled where she was laying, and I circled where he was, and he was right behind a tree, probably at about forty five yards. But he was behind this big tree right in front of me, so I could I didn't have a shot. And so she stands up eventually, and she makes her way down into the creek, and he kind of goes around the long way, finds a draw, and comes down into the creek following her. And she comes up the same trail that Big Buck did in the last story. He comes up the same trail up our side of the bank and literally runs to my left past the stand probably 15 yards from me. And so I'm like, holy cow, he's going to follow her right there. And so I'm getting ready, right? Well, he comes up a different trail, passes, goes right by the feeder on my right, and which I'm a right-handed shooter, so I have to with him on my right, I'm having to turn around and he's trotting the whole way. And so I'm like, okay, he's going to stop anytime. And if he stops, I'm drawing back and I'm pulling the trigger. And he just, he just trots on by me probably at 20, I'd say it's 15 or 20 yards on my right side. So if he came up on my left, I would have gave him the old and had him stop, but he yeah. came up on my right. I didn't want to give him, give him the old stop. And, uh, because then I would have to get around still and draw back. But eventually I get around because he is laser focused on this doe. Eventually I get around and he stops probably 30 yards and he's quartering away hard. And so I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to get it right up in his rib cage and jack up all this, all this stuff. And so I want to range him just to make sure. And I get 31 on the range finder. Right as I put my range finder down, he takes off. Oh, man. And so I'm like, well, there goes that. <laughs> and so I'm like, son of a gun. But then the doe beds down again right in the trees behind me. And so he, I know he's there uh, somewhere, but they're both, they both stay really still. And eventually they walk off and I don't, I don't get a shot. Well, time comes where I have to get out of the stand. I get down and I walk up to the house and I jumped both of them. Oh, man. And so I'm like, son of a gun. And so they take off, and I never see him again. And so that's the end of that story. So <laughs> this is a strike three on my season. And we're not done yet. <laughs> and so this is middle of December. So the holidays are getting here. You know, we have my wife's family's Christmas that we have to go to. We have my family's Christmas we have to go to. I have to go back to work now because I took the first half of December off pretty much. And so now I have to go back to work. And I just knew that my hunting season was pretty much over. And so I talked to my wife and I was like, hey, let me go out to the to the lease just to see if I can get a doe. And so uh, out at the, at, at the county that our lease is in, we have a special late season where you can shoot does and spikes only. So no bucks. Uh, so I know at this point I'm not going to get a buck. So I'm like, hey, let me go out to the lease for uh, – it was going to be three or four days. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> It was going to be three or four days. And I just laughed because uh, the season ended on January 16th. And I was going to go out there like the 12th, 13th, and 14th. And I was it was just going to be me. I was going to go out there by myself. And so it was like January 8th or 10th or something like that. My family tested positive for COVID. 
Yeah, because so like, we were out there, and you were going to come hunt yeah. with us with when me and my dad were out there for our last time of the year. Yes, and then all that happened. So yeah, so my my whole family tested positive for COVID. Uh, I never showed any symptoms, uh, thank goodness. But uh, my two boys and my wife, but all tested positive. And so I'm like, well, there goes that. Uh, all hope is lost, right? And so after a couple of days, my wife's like, hey. We're all doing good. Why don't you just go out for a day just so you can get some meat? And so I leave one night. We put the kids down for bed. This is like 8 or 8.30. So we put the kids down. I go out. Uh, I actually, I pack up all my stuff, and I leave that night, and I get to the lease. By the time I get all my stuff packed and leave and get out there, it's midnight. And so I get out there at midnight, and it's cold. It's like supposed to be 21 degrees or something that next morning yeah and so i'm sleeping in my truck <laughs> oh my god out, out at the lease and so i get there and i park and i'm like well this is going to be a, a long night and so i get on my phone just to play around i end up falling asleep and i wake up an hour later and i'm freezing because i turned my truck off so i turn my truck on and just let that heater run and i go back to sleep for a few hours i wake up super early to get to the stand that I'm going to sit in. And I have my rifle this time, so I'm not messing around. This is purely a meat hunt. So I took my rifle out there to see if I could see if I could get a doe. I took four bullets with me, which is more than I was going to need. You know, I was going to need one or two, and that was going to be it. That morning, I get in the stand, and I'm sitting there waiting on sun to rise. And legal shooting light was 7.08. Sunrise was 7.38. Uh, the feet are supposed to go off at 7. So the feeder goes off at seven and it's a spin. It's a, one of the spin type feeders. So it slings corn everywhere and seven Oh five, there's probably six or seven deer on their way to that feeder that I can see. And I can barely see, but I know that I, I can see several deer sitting under this feeder and there's mesquites in the way kind of a little bit. And there's still deer hanging around back in the mesquites behind the feeder. And so there's two deer that are underneath the feeder that I have a shot at. One of them is a small buck, like probably a six pointer. And then, uh, the other one is a little fork. And so I'm like, well, neither of those are legal. So, uh, I can't shoot either of those, but the other, there's one little, little doe, little yearling doe. I'm not going to shoot her. And then there's like two or three mature does that are hanging out in the mesquites back, back behind there. And so I'm able to get my gun up and the little yearling doe spots me and she doesn't blow or anything, but the other does can tell that she's kind of on alert. Yeah. So I'm like, well, just be really still and maybe those other does will make their way up. And so I see this other doe, this, this one, it looks like the most mature doe. She's back in the mesquites and she kind of perks her head up and looks off to my right. And so I'm like, well, that's weird. I wonder what's coming up. There's gotta be something over there. So she's like pretty, pretty focused in on whatever this is. And so I see this bobcat coming through the mesquites on my right. I'm like, oh, okay. So eventually they all kind of meander off uh, up, the, up the hill behind the feeder. So I'm like, well, this bobcat just ruined this hunt. So I'm going to take him out because he's coming directly in front of me, probably 15 yards from my, from my stand. Yeah. And he spots me. So he's kind of scurrying kind of quick and he'll stop every now and then and look at me. And I get my crosshairs, and he's close enough to where he fills up my entire scope. I get my crosshairs on him, dude, and I'm ready to blow him into oblivion. 
and I, I squeeze the trigger and it clicks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What is going on? And so I hurry real quick and I, I chamber another round and there's a round in the chamber. Like I didn't forget to put a round in the chamber. It pops out and hits the ground. I put another one in and by that time he's the bobcat's gone because uh he was already aware of my uh of my existence so he took off once i moved so i'm i'm pretty upset i'm like first this uh this bobcat ruins my deer hunt and then i can't even shoot the bobcat because my gun misfires great this is just the cherry on top of my season and so i wait there for probably 20 or 30 minutes trying to figure out what the heck's going on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it one more shot. And so I wait there 20 or 30 minutes and this spike is coming up to my left down in the draw. Cause there's a draw behind me. Uh, if you go watch my episode of Texas dirt, this is the stand I'm sitting in. Yeah. Uh, this, the stand that I was talking about in that, that I, that is on that video. There's a draw behind me. The feeder is in front of me. There's a spike coming up to my left and I'm like, dude, no way. This is freaking perfect. Like, what are the odds that I'm going to see a spike in the spike only season? Yeah, know? exactly. And so I'm like, sweet. And so he's coming up through the trees and I get my gun on him just to make sure. Cause I, I look at him through the scope and he sees me get my gun up. And so he kind of spooks a little bit and is quartering away and turns around and I get him in my crosshairs and I'm ready to, I squeeze the trigger and it clicks again. And I'm like, you have got to <laughs> kidding me. Like what is going on right now? Like I, I have shot this gun my entire life, pretty much. Like I got this gun when I was preteen. Like I've had this gun for a long time, and it has never misfired on me ever. Yeah. And so I'm like, fury. I am fuming at this point because at the, you know, he runs off or whatever. And so I'm like, well, it, this is probably it's probably eight or eight thirty at this point. Still pretty early in the, in the morning hunt. And I'm like, well, there's no point in me sitting up here. My gun won't work. And so uh, I get down. And I know it's either the gun or the ammo. And I've shot this ammo before. Uh, this this is probably the last four rounds in this box. So we've shot all the other ones in this box. And I'm like, well, surely it's not the ammo. But I look on the back of the two rounds that I fired, and you can see where the punch had punched the the center fire on these on these uh, rounds. And so I'm like, well, maybe it is the ammo, you know. Um. And so I go and I try and I pull off somewhere random and I set out a water bottle. I threw out a water bottle in the grass just to give me something to aim at. And so I go and I, I shoot all four of these rounds and all four of them misfire. All wow. four. Of them. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And then, uh, I was like, maybe I can run into town cause our, our lease is not very far from, from town. Maybe I can run into town, find some 30 out six ammo and just hunt the rest of the day. And so I go to one spot. And I'm looking at the ammo that they have. And the lady asked me what I'm looking for. And I said, 30 out six. And she said, nope, we don't have any. I was like, dad gummit. I was like, well, do you know anywhere else that would maybe have some? And she was like, yeah, try, you know, uh, this place down the road. So I'm like, okay, thanks. And so I go to that place. Luckily they had some, uh, bought two boxes. Cause I wouldn't mess around. <laughs> I wouldn't mess around. <laughs> Not having any ammo, bought two boxes of ammo, go back out to the lease. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just, and I test fire, uh, one of these rounds and it works like a charm shoots, uh, shoots a hole straight to the cactus I was aiming at, you know? 
And uh, so I'm like, okay, great. I'm, I'm back in business now. Uh, and so I, I basically just drive around the rest of the day. Uh, I'll, I'll park every now and then and just kind of walk and see if I can see anything. I don't, everything that I see the rest of the day is either running or spots me first. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'll sit somewhere the evening hunt. So I sit in the same stand thinking that these deer are on a clock. You know, once that feeder goes off, they'll be there. I sit in the same stand, feeder goes off, and I don't see nothing <laughs> until until sundown. And right at, at, at the legal shooting light ends, I see a doe uh, at the top of this hill or like on this ridge line where I can't shoot her because I don't know what's on the other side. And so I'm like, and I don't really, if I do hit this doe, I don't want to be tracking her in the dark and I'm already exhausted from today because I hiked three miles, you know, whatever. I don't really want to be tracking this doe in the nighttime. And so I end up letting her go. Don't get anything. Go home into empty handed. Mm -hmm. And the season ends two days later. And I'm like, son of a gun. So that was pretty much a sum up of how my season went super depressing although it was a very uh i i, I, I it wasn't depressing it was a it educational was an roller coaster for sure i learned a lot um it was bittersweet to say the least because i did get a lot of opportunity and i spent a lot of time in the woods which is always you know a gift from a gift from our lord but uh even though i wasn't successful uh, I did learn some very valuable lessons to, uh, one, uh, if you, if the deer you're shooting at has you pegged, aim low. Or Two, don't. Uh, uh, yeah, or don't. <laughs> <laughs> later. Um, but more often than not, aim low, but not too low. <laughs> don't aim low all the time, just sometimes. See what right, happens, yeah. yeah. Just like, in the right time. Th that'll yeah. work. That'll work out good. Yeah. Lesson number two was uh, always check your ammo before you go out. And lesson number three, shoot a doe early season just because if you if you get the opportunity just to have some meat and fruit. Man, I, I was gonna say something similar because uh, uh, if if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you you've heard my updates throughout the year and then my dad and I's recap a few episodes ago if you haven't heard that if you want the full lowdown on our season go listen to I think it's season finale the season finale or something is what we titled that one that podcast yeah. episode but um, all as to say we both had very similar frustrations this year with with a lot of stuff and obviously you had two properties to hunt I just had the Texas dirt property um, right but I, I agree. You, you, killing deer earlier definitely definitely is beneficial. And it's, you know, there's always that saying of don't pass on the first day what you're willing to shoot on the last. 100%. And there's a fine line between that and the management tactics that we're trying to implement because I had more shots at deer that in previous years I totally would have shot, like as far as bucks. Um, yeah. than I've ever had before. Yeah. And I've, I, I passed on every single one of them. I never <laughs> drew back on a buck and I only had an encounter with a buck that I would have shot 100% no matter what one time. And I didn't get a shot at him. Right. So it was, 
it was frustrating for that and definitely like that last trip out there before late season when general was still open and you could still shoot bucks i was definitely thinking oh man if that if that you know three or four whatever it was that young eight point comes in it's gonna be hard to pass on him you know being the last time of the year and i was probably really fortunate that he didn't come in like i was frustrated i was like man i'm burning a buck tag this year but at the same time i was like whoo he's gonna be around (laughs) next year and he's gonna be a stud so there's pros and cons to passing on bucks and certainly you want to let the young ones walk but when you're a meat hunter which is at the ground roots what we are you know that you got to fill the freezer so oh for sure yeah it's it's i definitely gambled this year because my my calling county property is is not one that i'm going to shoot a bunch of does off of because it's not very big to begin with um and the does being there are one of the things that that keeps the bucks there and so uh i'm not going to shoot a bunch of does off of that um because we don't one we don't have a whole lot of deer running around we just have really high quality i would say yeah and so me being greedy <laughs> uh gambled and and kind of focused on that Collin county property to see if i could get one of those high quality bucks uh and and didn't didn't really take any time to go out to the lease and and do a true meat hunt uh, anyways, so it was a gamble on my part, and now I'm eating tag soup for it. So <laughs> it uh, happens. Yeah, and it, it happens to everybody. But it'll come around next year, and we'll see what happens then. Yeah, it will, for sure. Well, buddy, I appreciate you jumping on here and and sharing your year, your frustrations, and yeah. I, I obviously it's not a not necessarily a success story in having a deer on or a big deer or anything like that on the ground but you know we share this content whether it's this or our texas dirt series or or whatever it might be we share it with our listeners and our followers because i I like to think of us at fall obsession as not not like uh everybody else out there we're we're unique and that is because we are blue collar outdoorsmen everyday hunters same as everybody else in america we just have this avenue that we get to share high quality content show showcasing that you know and and that that's our goal so stories like this episode four your episode of texas dirt series that's exactly what that shows is that we're all human we all make the same mistakes and you know maybe i'm sure there's somebody else listening to this podcast who had a missed shot or a bad shot or something this past year happens to all of us man every single one of us has done that been there and it'll probably happen again one year for all we know yeah and i was i was very eager to to get on here and share how my season went because there i personally learned a lot of lessons and so if i can share that and and teach somebody else and so they can avoid (laughs) the the mistakes that i made then then it was all worth it yeah absolutely couldn't agree more well, guys, thank you all for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. If you guys have not already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast app. Well, 
hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you guys are listening on. We are on all major podcast platforms as well as our YouTube channel and fallobsession.com. Our YouTube channel is something that we are putting out new videos pretty regularly. I already talked at the beginning about our intent to put out more podcast videos. Um, There will not be one going with this episode, but future episodes we hope to have uh, a video accompanying all of them. Um, And then we got plenty of other content coming y'all's way, um, including a new series that we're starting, My Obsession Series. We already got our first installment out with that. Already talking to a couple guys about our our next guest that we're going to have on that show and super excited to get those productions going. FallObsession.com is our website. That's our hub. That's where you guys can go to find all of our content. We got video series, product reviews, uh, wild game recipes, educational articles, you name it, we got it. We cover hundreds of different topics on that website in a variety of different forms of content. So go over there and check us out. Uh, we also got some apparel on there, our online store. We need to get some new designs worked up for you guys to get them out there. But we do have a bunch of stuff uh, still on there right now from this past fall. So head on over, check out what we got, support your local hunting business, and uh, pick up some Fall Obsession swag. Um, and also on the page fallobsession.com slash podcast, that's the page you guys can go to to listen to all of our podcasts from our website. But another thing that we're working toward is episode 100. And we're in the 90s now with our, our episode count, so we're only a few weeks out from having episode 100. That episode is going to have Nick, myself, and our other two uh, administrators on here. It'll be the first time all four of us record a podcast together. Um, And we're going to talk kind of about not just Fall Obsession and everything that we got going on, but also um, showcase some highlights of our podcast. And we also want to give you guys the chance to be involved in that episode. By asking questions, suggesting topics, just wanting general information on stuff, um, whatever it might be. So um, if you guys feel inclined, head on over to that webpage. Again, it's fallobsession.com slash podcast and send us some feedback for episode 100. Whatever you guys send us, we'll be sure that we bring it up, discuss it um, in that episode. Again, coming up here in just a few short weeks. Finally... Sponsor shout out Ridge Rock Hunt Company, Derek and Lacey, the folks over there, they book hunts. They will hook you up with your next hunting adventure and figure out where you need to go, what you need to do, what you're trying to hunt, and what you're looking to spend on it. Very fine folks. We've really enjoyed getting to know them uh, over the past couple years and cultivating that relationship. And now happy since they started this brand that we're able to partner with them and uh, hopefully send some business their way. So be sure that you head on over, check them out on social media and their website. Again, that's Ridge Rock Hunt Company. And see if they might have something to help you get set up with that hunt you've been waiting to book uh, for 2022. So it's about that time of year to start making plans. So uh, go check them out. Nick, did I miss anything, buddy? No, you hit it all, man. All right, then. Well, guys, thank you all for listening again. And we will catch you guys again next week for another Fall Obsession podcast episode. See you then. See you later.